Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. Happy Hump Day here on HomeAndHomeRadio.com. Sports Original. We are brought to you, as always, by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. We'll go to the home market of the Cleveland Browns. Talk to Dustin Fox about what is ailing Cleveland. We'll talk to Kyle Allen's quarterback coach about the terrific story that he has become for the Carolina Panthers and the latest on the University of Kansas and their national championship winning head coach. The allegations coming towards NCAA. Pat Forty will break down all these major, major allegations towards the University of Kansas. But Ross Tucker, uh, we will get to quarterback conversations, but as always, your morning papers are here. It is my duty to deliver you <laughs> the morning news because I know you don't get it anywhere else. And and, and this is different. Uh, we can laugh about a lot of the news, but impeachment, that uh, impeaching to the choir there on the New York Post, and it's on. Pelosi versus Trump. This has only happened three times in our republic's history. This is the fourth. President Trump facing an impeachment inquiry. Whether you support him, whether you don't, just acknowledge this is a historic time in our country. And Ross, the sad truth of it is probably going to further divide an already very divided nation. Thank God for football. Yeah, thank goodness for sports. There is no question. You know, uh, for a lot of different reasons, I don't really pay attention to politics or current events. But I will chime in on this. As Mm. a two-time academic All-American who majored in politics, by the way, at the number one ranked school, U.S. News and World Report for the ninth straight year, I'm kind of an expert. I'm kind of an expert (laughs) on on the subject matter here. So... Um, why don't you tell me what's going on and then I'll give you the answer as to what should happen. No, I know something's going on. Here's what I think is interesting, right? Cause we're going to get into the sports stuff because this is radio.com sports at RDC sports is the network's Twitter feed at RDC home and home is ours. He's at Dave Briggs TV. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. And I want to talk about some starting quarterbacks who are more or less getting impeached in the NFL. Get it? Eli, Cam, get it? Get it? Impeached? Boom. But I am a little bit curious, just a little bit, about what it's like for you as a guy that's on CNN from 4 to 6 when all this stuff is going on. It feels like your head is going to explode, frankly, because – Well, one part of that is you're trying to balance all that's going on in the world of sports, including the NFL, with a historic, political, monumental moment here in our country. First, just personally, it feels like your head's going to explode. Uh, We've heard this word for more than two years banded about, and now it seems like it is finally happening. And a story that I don't think most Americans even realize happened or is happening at the moment. It's regarding the president leaning on a foreign leader to dig up dirt on a rival, Joe Biden, as we approach the 2020 election. We'll learn a lot more today. We'll learn a lot more in the next week. Know this, that even if he is impeached by the House of Representatives, I think likely he will not get impeached by the Senate, Republican-laden, and the president will remain in office and the voters ultimately will have their say. And that's good news. Um, It's just overall the concern is for this country, for an already, as I said, divided country, a tribal country. It would be nice if there were something politically that could bring us together. And again, that's why 
it feels so good to be able to pivot and talk about sports and talk about the things uh, that do bring us together. And one yeah, of those can I, things. Can I say is, something? Yeah. Dave, Dave, let me. Yeah, I just want to ask one one last thing. Yeah, please. And, and I want you, I want you to take this the right way, okay? But I feel like I feel like your your early morning job from four to six. I feel like it would often be like depressing or bring you down. No, in, in all sincerity, like it just well, feels correct. like a lot of negativity. So the biggest reason, there are two reasons why I personally don't pay attention, maybe three, why I don't pay attention to the news and politics. Number one, and this is no offense to your employer, but I'm not really sure where to go to get completely objective information it seems like everywhere you go and you hinted at this yesterday with all the newspapers you buy because they have different political slants or whatever it feels like everybody has their own political spin on whatever's going on as opposed to just the straight facts that's number one number two it just seems generally so negative I love the words you described, divided, tribal, and that is all very depressing to me. And I, I don't want anything to bring me down. Like I'm living an awesome life. You know, I'm living my best life. Like I don't, I don't want to dwell on or think about how divided we are and all of that stuff. And then number three, I, I guess I just, I've got other stuff that I need to read or prepare for or do and I don't feel like I have time to follow all of that stuff that I also feel like I can't really do anything about anyway. I don't know if that makes me a bad person or a no. bad citizen or people will listen to this or watch this and be like, wow, man, that's very shallow of him that he doesn't pay attention to politics or news or current events. Every once in a while, my buddies will bust my chops about it. My sister-in-law will say, well, how do you know what's going on? And I'll say, I don't. I don't care. Unless it's inside the white lines on Saturdays or Sundays or especially Friday nights, I really don't care. It really, you know what I did yesterday? I picked up my daughters at school. I took them to art class. Then we went to tumbling. Then we got some ice cream. It was awesome. And at no point did we talk about impeachment or anything like that. And it was great. And I and I love my life. Maybe I'm in a bubble, but my bubble's awesome. You should come and hang out in my bubble. <laughs> I do envy that bubble. I would like to inhabit that space for at least a couple of days. It'd be a, a vacation. Um, I actually don't think you are the exception. I think, generally speaking, you are the rule in this country right now. Everywhere I go, I feel like I hear more and more people talk like yourself. Like, they used to pay attention to a lot of this stuff, but now, given all the negativity, given the divisiveness and the tribalness that I talked about, I think a lot of people have put on their earmuffs, focused on what they can control, stay in their lane, and that tends to be their work, their kids, and when they have time to do things that they want to do, generally speaking, that is not to turn on the news. I do encourage people to pick up a newspaper. Again, this is a historic time, whether you agree or disagree. And I recommend everyone pick up a New York Times or a Washington Post and simply read the lead story, the front page, about what this means for our country, about the history of it. Again, only Johnson, Nixon, Clinton, and now Trump have ever faced impeachment. So it is a serious, grave charge, and it will wrap up this country, at least those politically active folks, for the next anywhere from three to six months to the next year, and we're facing a presidential election. It would be nice if we were to learn what people were going to do with health care, that people do care about, what people were going to do about guns to stop the mass shootings in this country. That is where we should be focusing, but a Congress has a job and their job is to check the executive branch, checks and balances of the president is a crucial part of their job and enforcing the constitution. And it's gonna be an ugly couple of months. So I want in that bubble. Inside that bubble are the young quarterbacks in this league.
And there are a lot of them, man. First and second year quarterbacks. Hard for me to remember a time that they were more uh, important in terms of the face of the league, the most important position of the league. And we're going to try to rank these guys. Kyler, Lamar, Josh and Kyle Allen, Baker Mayfield, Gardner Minshew, Josh Rosen, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, Luke Falk, and Mason Rudolph. This is now the change in the NFL. The face of the league, yes, it's still Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, but this group of quarterbacks is going to really decide where we go in the next couple of years in several organizations. As you look at that list, is there an easy number one, this is my guy, and that first or second year group? Finally, 11 minutes in, we're actually talking about something that really matters in this country, okay, which is the development of young quarterbacks in the National Football League. It is kind of amazing to look that there's 10 guys that are first or second year that are starting right now for these teams. Now, I don't know. Some of them aren't necessarily long-term answers, Gardner Minshew, Josh Rosen, Luke Falk, Mason Rudolph, but it's still kind of interesting. I think based on what we've seen so far, the guys that I look to to think about maybe building around or be at the top of my list would be Lamar Jackson. I think you can make an argument for Josh Allen. I think you can make an argument for Baker Mayfield. And honestly, I think you can make an argument for Daniel Jones. The problem with Daniel Jones, of course, is that it's such a limited sample size. The flip side of that is he played awesome in every preseason game. He's only played one regular season game, and he played, wait for it, awesome. So all we know of Danny Dimes is awesome. By the way, just a side note, I saw my guy Peter Schrager from NFL Network is starting a campaign to try to get a new nickname for Daniel Jones because he thinks Danny Dimes is lame. Guess what, Peter Schrager? You're lame. Danny Dimes is an awesome nickname. What are we talking about? It's a completely, totally new, unique nickname. That's what he does. He drops dimes. Although that's that's a very overused phrase. I now see like a guy throw a 10-yard... crossing pattern on a bootleg and they're like watch this dime that's not a dime that's just a throw a dime is like an accurate pass in the bucket or in tight coverage i mean come on let's not overuse dimes they tell you as a broadcaster to save your greats i'm telling you save your dimes but let's before i get to anywhere else Dave, are you with me that danny dimes is a cool nickname i love it in particular i hate when guys try to fake a nickname like a guy tries to pick his own nickname or a teammate tries to say well I think you know it it happened organically it happened on Twitter started kind of blowing up teammates asked him about it it grew organically sometimes a guy gets labeled with a nickname and then he he wants to change it that's not how it works these things just happen organically and that is one of the few good things about social media today that they can create I absolutely love Danny Dimes I hope it sticks. And I have to say, if you simply look at one start, that's difficult. But in that start, Daniel Jones, the first rookie in more than 50 years to throw for more than 300 yards, passing for two TDs and running for two in one game. If you just look at that one game and you just look at the ability of a quarterback in that one game, It's easy for me to say Daniel Jones is the best quarterback on this list, and that's ahead of Lamar Jackson. The dual threat is a different thing, and he rushed for 120 yards in one game. I'm just not sold on Lamar Jackson's passing skills, and Kansas City brought that to light. Just wildly inaccurate, threw some stupid passes, ill-advised Hail Marys that ended up being pulled down. I'm just not sold on Lamar Jackson yet. And that's why I am sold on Gardner Minshew. I know it's it, it, he has played three games. And Ross, he is completing the deep ball and completing almost everything else. 74% completion percentage. I think he goes second or third on this list. I, I can't believe I'm saying it, 
but just based on the tape that we've seen this season. That's a little bit rich for me. I, I think I if you break down these 10 guys, there are three guys that are clearly at the bottom, and that's Luke Falk, Josh Rosen, and Mason Rudolph. In my mind, yeah. those three guys yeah. are the bottom three. The guys at the top, I think you have to throw include Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and Daniel Jones, which would put Gardner Minshew and Baker Mayfield kind of in the middle there, along with Kyler Murray. I mean, Kyler Murray has done some positive things, but not enough for me to be in the top category. He, You know, look, it's really early, but based on the sample size so far, I would put Kyler Murray in the middle category. If I had to gun to my head right now, I'd probably go Daniel Jones 1, believe it or not, and then I'd go Lamar Jackson 2, Josh Allen 3, Baker Mayfield 4. Baker Mayfield's gotten off to a very concerning start here, in my mind, in his second year in the NFL. Call it a sophomore slump, call it whatever you want, but it, it's been concerning. So I would go Danny Dimes, number one. I'd go Lamar 2, Josh Allen 3. Those guys eerily similar to me. A lot of positives. Still have concerns about, number one, how long they'll last because of how much they run and their style of play. And number two, repetitive, consistent accuracy. I'll put Baker four out of tier two. It's Kyler Murray. It's Gardner Minshew. And it's Kyle Allen. And I think all three of those guys are really interesting prospects. I'd probably go Kyler at the top of that just based on what I saw him do in college. And I think there's a lot of similarities really between Kyle Allen and Gardner Minshew and the other three. I mean, I'm not even going to rank Josh Rosen, Luke Falk and Mason Rudolph. They, they don't deserve to be ranked at this point. They haven't done enough to show that they deserve to be ranked. So those are kind of my three tiers. That's, that's my story. I'm sticking with it, Dave. I think Kyle Allen is a little better. Uh, I, I guess in terms of the tiers, I like where he's at for you. But Kyle Allen, again, such a small sample size. Hard to know what to do with it because he's led Carolina their only two wins in the last 11 games. And one of them, Week 17, against the Saints team that had already clinched and was resting its starters. But Kyle Allen, you got to remember, a QB rating of 144. No interceptions against four touchdowns. Yes, it was against Arizona. But let's put Lamar Jackson's numbers against Arizona up against him, and it's not close. Kyle Allen passing was far better than Lamar Jackson against Arizona this season. Now, Lamar looked a lot better because he rushed for 120 yards. But as a quarterback completing passes, avoiding negative plays, which is huge, uh, look, I would put Kyle Allen right now. It, yeah, again, that added, I am wrestling with this. You can see my intestinal fortitude struggling to, to figure out where Kyle Allen goes. We're going to talk to his quarterback coach, which I can't wait to do. Jordan Palmer, that can tell us, you know, where it's hard to rank a guy that got benched twice in college and got cut from the practice squad in Carolina a year ago and then looked like a world beater in his one start this season. But in that one start, he looked like a top-tier quarterback. I got a question and, for you, though. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Go. Well, well, I was just going to say, you may wonder, Dave. Well, ask me the question, and then I'm going to tell you where you can find a quarterback coach like Jordan Palmer, a former teammate of mine, by the way, who does an unbelievable Joe Gibbs impersonation. You probably did not know that, uh, Dave. Okay. Yeah. 2007 well, Washington Redskins, fifth-round pick out of UTEP was Jordan Love Palmer. That. He was a rookie my last year in the NFL. And on like the rookie night, he did an unbelievable Joe Gibbs impersonation. Might have been part of the reason why he got cut, by the way. Go ahead. What's your question? <laughs> I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell you where you can find a quarterback coach like Jordan Palmer after you ask your question. My question is two other guys that you could throw on this list and here's why. They're veterans, but Teddy Bridgewater and Jacoby Brissett. I don't think we still know what to make of Teddy Bridgewater because there was the injury. He was ascending. Uh, and now he is the answer for at least several weeks for the saints. I would not put him in the top 
four uh, quarterbacks of even this group, even though he's a, a real season veteran. I think he's a solid game manager. I think he'll keep them in contention, but I don't think he can throw the deep ball. I don't think he's a game changer. I think you look at statistically, he peaked at 3,200 yards, 14 touchdowns, nine picks. That's who he is to me. Um, just kind of middle of the road guy, but Jacoby Brissett, that's different. I would put him on top of this list. It's only, check me if I'm wrong, his second full year as a starter. And I just watched and went back and watched some of that start against Atlanta. My God, he had complete control of the field. Started that game 16 of 16. We'll ask Brian Baldinger in that, uh, about that in a little bit. But would you put uh, Bridgewater or Jacoby in that top tier? So Bridgewater to me is probably in the second tier. I think he's kind of just a guy. I don't yeah. think he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think for the remainder of his time in the NFL, he is going to be a very low-end starter, perhaps a high-end backup. Put him in the Hoyer and Fitzpatrick category. I think Brissett has a chance to be more than that. I think he's showing he might be more than that. I think Brissett's showing he might be able to be a consistent starter in the NFL and a top 20 starter. I don't know that I think he's got top 10 potential, but I think he's got the potential to be better than guys like Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston. I'm very encouraged by Brissett and kudos to Chris Ballard, the GM for the Colts who traded for Brissett a couple years ago right before the season from the Patriots when he knew that Andrew Luck might be out for that entire season. Chris Bauer knows how to hire Dave, and it's probably because he knows all about ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a challenge. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered that she needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team. That, of course, is why she went to ZipRecruiter. See, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you, like Chris Ballard did with Jacoby Brissett, like Gretchen Hebner did with Codable. Its technology identifies people that have the right experience, and then it invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter, and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones, and that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. All right, so let's keep talking. And, and I want to get back to the quarterback talk later on because pro football focus put out their quarterback grades after three weeks. And we're going to move on from the quarterbacks, but revisit that later. But I just want to tee up the 25th ranked quarterback of 26, according to PFF. That's how many starters they ranked right now. And Kirk Cousins, 25. And who is 26? Who is dead last in their rankings? You got it. Case Keenum. So Case Keenum is the last the worst quarterback in the NFL, according to the PFF grades. And yet here we are talking about the end of the Jay Gruden era in Washington, which certainly has been a failure, as have most things surrounding the Washington Redskins. Um, here's my problem with evaluating Jay Gruden. How do we do it? Based on what? Based on a bad quarterback, no running backs who are injured, an emerging wide receiver in Terry McLaurin, but basically what we have in Washington is terrible ownership, a bad stadium, bad organizational direction, and a pretty good defensive line. Are those the circumstances under which, Ross, we can evaluate a head coach? It sounds like Jay Gruden is week to week. 
He is week to week. I think he probably should be week to week at this point. In all sincerity, Dave, and I've defended Jay Gruden a lot, and I think he has to manage a lot of situations there. Even when you hear him in a press conference, it doesn't sound like he's got very much control over the personnel. You know, I mean, when he talks about Trent Williams or some of the moves they make, it's very clear that his job is to just coach the team and he doesn't have any real influence on everything else that's going on around him. That's pretty obvious. But this is also year six, believe it or not, Dave. They've made the playoffs one time. He had, you know, for whatever the first four years of that, he had a quarterback that several teams were willing to give $30 million a year to who signed a completely fully guaranteed three-year $84 million deal. So he had a quarterback that played at a very high level that he only made one playoff appearance with, and they lost that one playoff game. So there's a lot of different circumstances. We know that. But if you're in year six and you're 0-3 and you've made one playoff berth, I think it's fair for us to judge you now. Is it fair the situation he's in? Probably not. I got news for you, Dave, and you know this. Life's not fair. You know, last year they were on their way to a playoff berth, maybe even winning the division in the NFC East until Alex Smith got hurt. That was extremely unfortunate. They don't have a terribly talented team right now. But he's on the clock. He knows that. I think he's trying to get some wins with Case Keenum, which I would argue, how much does that even help save his job? I think the only thing that could save his job is to put Haskins in there and to show Haskins is making improvement and making strides. The fact that they're not putting Haskins in there, quite frankly, says a lot about Dwayne Haskins. It says everything, that that guy is simply as we saw in the preseason, just not ready for prime time. Probably just not enough experience under his belt. He had some great throws, but the downside to him is just a lot of negative plays. Yes, your quarterback turned it over five times. That's against arguably the best defense we've seen in years. You talked about Jay Gruden in press conferences. Let's listen to Jay address his future in Washington. Jay, after going into the season, there's a lot of speculation on for your future here, for your job security and all that. After three games, you now feel you're like in a week-to-week proposition just for the job. Uh, no, I haven't felt like that, but uh, who knows? I, I'm just trying to concentrate on the Giants right now, put our best foot, learn from our mistakes here, and try to get better. That's all we're trying to do here as a staff and uh, go from there. Paul Woody. Hey, Jay. Um, we, we talked last night about uh, you didn't – you were going to make change. You weren't going to make changes every five minutes. Um, that was we were talking about players. Uh, would you make any changes in your coaching staff during the season? Uh, no, not right. No, no. We're we're we played three games uh, against three playoff teams, and we haven't played our best ball yet. Um, I anticipate we're going to get better. Pretty young football team on offense. Haven't played together a whole lot. Um, they're going to get better. And uh, defensively, I think we've underachieved a little bit. Um, but uh, I still think they're going to come together and and, uh, and we'll make a move here. All right, that's from Jay Gruden's teleconference. You could tell the sound a little bit different there. Um, I agree with what one high-ranking Redskins official told the Washington Post. Quote, quote as long as Dan's there, Dan Snyder, the Skins owner since 99, they don't have a chance. That's what a former high-ranking Redskins official said. A 436 winning percentage since Snyder took over the team in 1999. And they have one playoff win. So, look, yes, he's probably gone. Will this system change? Will Washington become a winner under a new head coach? Unless his name's Belichick, I doubt it. Ross, do you hear John Gruden a little bit when you listen to Jay Gruden? And is this as strange a brother pairing as we see in sports today? Or do you see, other than the sound, a common thread? Uh, I think they sound very similar. They both have that uh, that Ohio kind of 
uh, cadence to them. And obviously they both grew up together. So you would, you would hear the similarities. Uh, they do remind me of each other a lot. Uh, I don't think it's a weird brother pairing. I think it's kind of, uh, uh, a normal brother pairing. What, what's weird about it? In terms of the personalities, how different they seem, how much John just embraces every ounce of the television side of this. And Jay seems a little, a, a little, a lot more reluctant, um, more camera shy. Um, it seems like, yes, football's the common thread, but in terms of the personality they bring to the sport, very, very different. Uh, and then we could get into to John Gruden's player evaluations, which I know have been a little head scratching for you uh, recently. Well, so, I mean, I, I, let's start with the Gruden brothers. You're right. I, obviously, I think John Gruden likes the camera more than Jay Gruden does. I think that's fair. Part of that is I think John's just been in the spotlight more and obviously did television for a long time. So that part of it we get and understand. As for John Gruden's player evaluation, it's just amazing to me. And I don't know. How, I don't even remember how much we talked about this yesterday. But watching Khalil Mack, what he did last year, what he's done so far this year, and to think that John Gruden traded him. And, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I get all these Raiders fans on social media, Twitter, whatever, Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. And the show's handle is at RDC Home and Home, telling me that Khalil Mack wanted a $60 million check and Mark Davis didn't have it. Are you kidding me? That, that, is, that is a good job by the Raiders of leaking false propaganda. That's not the truth. The truth is John Gruden didn't want to give one player that much of the salary cap. Not that they literally couldn't write the check for Khalil Mack. They could. And it's unbelievable to me how many Raiders fans fell hook, line, and sinker for that. And what's crazy about it too, Dave, is it's not just, if you think about it, the Bears didn't just write that check for Khalil Mack. They traded a lot of assets for the right to write that check. So think about how much money the Bears would have just been able to been willing to pay him if they didn't have to give up the first round picks. You know, I mean, they they traded valuable picks for the right to pay Khalil Mack over $22 million a year. And guess what? He's worth it. He is worth it. He makes that much of a difference between winning and losing. And honestly, Dave, there's a lot of guys on NFL rosters. How many of them really make a consistent difference in winning and losing? Not that many. Really a handful of guys. And if you get one, boy, you hold on to them. The Bears have them. The Raiders don't. And I'm not surprised that there's been a big difference in the success of those two franchises ever since that trade went down. I've never understood teams, organizations that want to cast off a player because they ask for money when they've proven they are worth that money. And Khalil Mack is at the top of the heap there. But I do think of, and I'm not a fan of his antics, I've made that very clear, uh, Jalen Ramsey, I would put in that conversation, who now says he has other issues. Uh, now he's not sick, but he's got back and other problems and may not play this week. But Jalen Ramsey, I guess I could put in that conversation of guys that do impact the game. And if he's not worth a top-of-the-market type of deal, what are you doing? What are you trying to draft and develop? You drafted him to be an elite shutdown corner. He became that. And then he didn't want to pay him like that. I guess I would find that difficult organizationally if I'm a player there. And I wonder, well, what is it you exactly want to draft and want to develop if you're not going to pay Ramsey, if you're not going to pay Mac? No, that's a great, great point. Um, and the difference in my mind, by the way, is that the issues that the Jags have with Ramsey are really off the field, not on the field. It's a culture thing that's the issue 
in Jacksonville and sort of the things he's done uh, that have put the organization perhaps in a tough spot. I think that is where Ramsey comes in. But you're right, especially as it relates to Khalil Mack. What's the whole point of this whole thing? The whole point of this whole thing is to draft really good players. The Raiders did that with Khalil Mack and then didn't reward him. If you don't reward your top players, what are we even doing this for? You're exactly right. And that's why this Jalen Ramsey thing is fascinating because it feels like the owner, Shad Khan, is willing at this point to pay Jalen Ramsey. But Jalen Ramsey still wants out. Evidently, his issues with Tom Coughlin, I don't know what Coughlin said to him or whatever, but he still wants out. Called in sick on Monday. Now he's reporting today, but he's got some health issues he, he in his hamstrings, in his back. I'll tell you what this is now at this point, Dave. This is a hold-in. There are holdouts. This is a hold-in where Jalen Ramsey is basically saying, look, I can just say my back and hamstrings hurt. You can't find me. You can't prove that they don't. And I'm going to do that until you trade me like I told you I wanted to be traded. This is, I can't remember the last time this happened. This is really interesting. I, I, I can't wait to see how this unfolds. You and I have slightly different viewpoints on this. Um, on the one hand, do I think it's the most honorable way to go about it? No, I don't. Do I think I could do it? Probably not. Do I, though, understand why NFL players do whatever it takes to get financial security before they take the field again? Yeah, I do, because I've seen it. I've seen so many really serious bad injuries and guys whose entire financial future and picture for their families are forever changed. So if if the team's not giving you what you want, either on the money side or the new opportunity to go somewhere else that would give you the money side, I understand why Jalen Ramsey's doing what he does. I'm not going to say I support him. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I'm also not going to criticize him for it. I would just say, unfortunately, the lessons learned from the NFL has been these antics, these crappy team antics, these calling in sick, they work. I, I wish they didn't work. I hate the calling in sick. I hate the faking an injury. Go out there, be a professional, help Jacksonville win games. I think he's more likely to get, and here's what he needs. He doesn't just need a trading partner, Jalen Ramsey. He needs a new contract with that trade. No one's going to just get a season rental and give up a first and a second rounder for a rental in Jalen Ramsey. They're only going to do it with the long-term commitment to the organization. I wonder what his real drive is if he gets traded to, if it's a, a team, let's say like Oakland slash Vegas, where he has suggested he'd play before, is he just looking for money or is he looking to go compete for a Super Bowl right now? And, and I'm not sure which it is. It sounds to me like money clearly is more important to Jalen Ramsey than is the ability to win a Super Bowl. But I would wonder, as a team that is not quite there, that might be three or four years away, Tennessee's another team, Nashville, that he said he'd like to go. But they're not on the cusp of winning a Super Bowl. So is he going to pull some antics with you? Is he willing to sign a long-term contract? I don't know. I don't like the antics, but I differ, Ramsey, from when you look at the way the Houston Texans situation went down with Jadeveon Clowney. That was just a one-year deal. It was a franchise tag. His antics worked, but they weren't going to get a lot for him because they had already blown the deadline and not signed him to a long-term deal. You got any last word there? Uh, no, we can get back into it later. I want to get to Baldy, uh, Brian Baldinger, and I want to ask him about the Jalen Ramsey situation as well as about the huge Eagles and Packers game tomorrow night. All right, we'll talk to Brian Baldinger next about all these young quarterbacks. He broke down a little bit of uh, Jacoby Brissett, also that outstanding matchup between the Eagles and Packers on Thursday night. How important is it for Philly? Baldy joins us after a break. If last Thursday night was a bit of a bummer for you, 
not to worry. This Thursday is a different deal. It is not Jags-Titans. This time it is Eagles-Packers on a Thursday night. Can't wait for that one. Let's welcome in Radio.com NFL insider Brian Baldinger to break this one down. Baldy, good to see you. Uh, it gets late early in the NFL. And for Philly at 1-2 and two, looking up at a perfect Dallas team, how crucial is this early season matchup at Green Bay? You know, and stop making mistakes that are hurting them. Um, they have plenty of chances to win all these games. They could be perfect like Dallas. They couldn't finish out the Atlanta game. They had the ball at the 50-yard line last week with first down and two timeouts in their pocket. And two minutes to go, they needed a field goal to tie and a touchdown to win, and they went backwards. So they just have to – I mean, September's about fixing what is broken, and there's a lot of things that aren't right in Philly right now. And Thursday is a good opportunity to, to start making those things right. They're a well-coached football team. They're just not playing like it right now. What about Baldy on the other side? The Green Bay Packers are 3-0, and yet their offense hasn't really been that effective. I can't remember the last time we talked about the Packers team like this, undefeated, but the offense isn't playing well. What are you seeing from them on both sides of the ball? Well, I mean, defensively right now, they have put all the resources, Ross, into their defense, free agency and drafts over the last two seasons, and it's paying off. I mean, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith right now look like monsters on the outside. Rashawn Gary and uh, Darnell Savage and Jair Alexander are playing like all-stars uh, in the roles that they have. I mean, Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage are playing as well as any corner in any safety in football. They lead the league in takeaways, and that's what they wanted to do. I mean, they're taking a page right out of the Chicago Bears' playbook right now, Ross, I think, in trying to build up that defense. It's well coached by Mike Patton. And you can just see that they're playing with the real swagger, but not like a phony swagger. They're just playing good football. And, you know, they're intercepting the ball in end zones uh, to finish out games like they have against Chicago last week and then or against Minnesota. And offensively, I don't see a lot. I, I see a, a very average to below average offensive line. Um, I don't think really Aaron Rodgers has changed much. Um, he's playing kind of the same way. I don't see a lot of what Sean McVay is doing out in Los Angeles in Green Bay right now. I think they have an emerging star in Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I think you can look for number 83 to catch a lot more big passes from Aaron Rodgers. We started this program with the conversation, Baldy, about all the first or second-year quarterbacks that really are the theme of the league right now and hard to get away from the uh, the Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones conversation given arguably the best debut we've ever seen for a rookie passer. Are you pumping the brakes on this or are you buying what was an outstanding debut, especially given the injury to Saquon Barkley? Well, I'm not going to pump the brakes. I mean, it was a fantastic debut. I mean, he made all the throws. Uh, his reads were impeccable. Um, all of a sudden, the Giants, out of nowhere, seem like they've got more than enough weapons. You couldn't have said that last year or probably the first two weeks this season. Uh, Sterling Shepard. You look at the rookie, Darius Slayton. Evan Ingram had a great game. You know, I mean, I'd seen Evan Ingram go 75 yards for a touchdown in three years. Uh, all of a sudden... Everything looked better. But, you know, in his ability to pull the ball down and extend plays, even if it's not running for a touchdown, just to, just enough to get out of harm's way to make a 46-yard throw to Darius Slayton down the middle of the field. I mean, he saw the field well. He extended plays. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. All the things I thought I saw at Duke just on a bad team. But he can make, uh, you know, like he did at Duke. They went to and won two bowl games with a player that wasn't drafted in the NFL. So he's doing the same thing with the Giants, and that's what these guys can do. Now, can he maintain that? It'd be hard to maintain that level in this league um, for anybody. But it was a great debut, and he's going to get another chance against Washington this week to do kind of the same thing. Baldy, we all know nobody good ever came out of Duke to be an NFL player, so don't don't yeah. even go there. Pump the brakes with... on that one. Pump it on that one. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Baldy went to Duke and then had an outstanding NFL career. Speaking of Carolina and down there in Duke, how about Kyle Allen, another quarterback that got his first start this season on Sunday? And they put up 
38 big ones, Baldy, on the road. What would you see from the new signal caller in Charlotte, and should they give the job back to Cam anytime soon? Well, Ron Rivera didn't look like he was uh, in any rush to get the ball back to Cam. I mean, he named Kyle, uh, he named him his starter like on Monday afternoon. So he was outstanding. I mean, really, uh, all of a sudden, again, I mean, DJ Moore and, you know, to go with McCaffrey, to go to Curtis Samuel, uh, Greg Olson was outstanding. Um, you know, look, they went after DJ Swearinger all day with Greg Olson. He ripped him apart. But he made all the he made unbelievable throws. I mean, the touchdown throws, whether it was to to Greg Olson, the the one right before the half to DJ Moore was as good a throw as you could have found in week three last week in the NFL. I mean, it's over the middle. It's into the jaws of a defense. He throws it without any fear. He puts it on a tee for DJ Moore to do what he's best at. Is that is run after a catch? There wasn't anything he wasn't good at. It was actually shocking. How he made it look so easy, Ross. You you went like it's not supposed to be this easy for a guy making his second NFL start in his first start this year, um, kind of a journeyman college quarterback without a stellar career, but yet he looked like he was a frontline quarterback last week. Well, so, we're uh, Baldy, just, oh, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my last one for you, Baldy, is just the Jalen Ramsey stuff. And I want to know, number one, how good is he really as a player? And number two, it appears he's kind of having a hold in. You know, first he was sick. Now he's his back and hamstrings bothering him. So talk about him as a player and then your thoughts on a player basically kind of holding out without holding out. Yeah, well, I mean, the owner came in and just said, we want Jalen Ramsey here. That's always a pretty good, you know, and a new contract could be coming, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you can't get any more of endorsement than Shad Khan saying, I don't want Jalen Ramsey to go anywhere. But, you know, Jalen prides himself in being a great shutdown corner, Ross, but yet they don't really play that style of defense. They're playing a lot of zone right now. It's probably the best thing for them. The pass rush was fierce on Thursday night. Um, and that helped everybody. I thought he played well on Thursday, but when I have seen him in tight man coverage, whether it's Antonio Brown in the past or whether it's Tyreek Hill against the elite speed receivers, I mean, he's given up his share of plays. I wouldn't say, throw, I wouldn't say that he's thrown a blanket over some of these guys, but yet that's what he wants to be. Um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, to be honest with you. I, I think it's hard at his size I think to be a great shutdown corner because there's so much speed at receiver. If he gets going the wrong way, it's just, he's just not as agile as some other corners at being able to flip his hips and change direction, do all the other things you got to do. So I think he wants to play a certain style. Um, I don't blame him. I mean, that's how you get paid in this business is, and that's how you get recognition like Darrell Rivas did for almost a decade, but I don't think he's at that level right now. I know you got to get out of here. Jacoby Brissett, you broke down some tape. I see PFF has him as their 19th graded quarterback in their rankings. Boy, I thought he was spectacular. What jumped down to you on that tape? Well, I mean, if you just put Andrew Luck on the back of his jersey and put a number 12 jersey on him, you would have thought that the offense was spearheaded by Andrew Luck. He did everything he was supposed to do. I mean, the opening play of the game, they want to take a deep shot off play action and max protection and Man, then Grady Jarrett ruined that party right away. And he's chased up the middle. He knew exactly where the safety valve was over to his left. And Marlon Mack, they pick up nine yards. Um, he scrambles for first downs. He runs the exact same playbook as Andrew Luck. Did, and it's a lot. It's empty sets. It's two tight end sets. It's play action. It's uh, taking the shots to T.Y. Hilton. I mean, you would have thought it was Andrew Luck throwing to his favorite receiver in the NFL, and T.Y. Hilton. Um he, he, he sees the field really, really well, made every throw. It's a good offensive line, and it was a really good offense um, that he spearheaded against Atlanta. It was a good win. Uh, the Colts played a lot of rookies on uh, Sunday, and that looks like a really good team. And to me, Jacoby Brissett was, I mean, I don't know, he's completing 72% of his passes. I'm, I'm not sure what all the rankings mean, but he looks like he's good. He's thrown seven touchdown passes in one interception. 
I don't think anybody could have expected a better performance in the first three weeks from Jacoby Brissett than what he has delivered. Really has been remarkable. I'm glad to see uh, what I what I thought I was seeing there. Looked outstanding. Looked like that uh, extension was a smart move by the Colts. Baldy, appreciate you being with us. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Ross. See you, man. Yeah. All right, Tucker. So, uh, yeah, 19 for Brissett seemed like a, a very low thing. If I can just follow up on a few more of these quarterback rankings, because they are fascinating. Joe Flacco ahead of Matt Ryan and Jacoby Brissett, which baffled me. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, 13, 14. Who do you think is number one? In the quarterback rankings so far? In the grades, PFF's grades, which grades everything, things I don't see, though some things you probably do see, including negative plays. Well, I mean, I would say Patrick Mahomes, but the fact that you're asking me tells me it's probably not Patrick Mahomes. So, oh, man. That is I correct. don't know. That's, that's a tough one. I'm going to say, who else could be up there? Um, there should be one obvious name. Brady? Tom Brady, number one. Dak, okay. two. Wentz, three. Wilson, four. Deshaun, five. And Patrick Mahomes, six. We have got to discuss that more later on the program. It is hard to find a flaw in the way Patrick Mahomes has played football through these weeks. But PFF looks at a lot of things that we don't all necessarily see. Uh, we'll talk about those rankings later on in the program. Grades, not rankings. They call them grades. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. But uh, when we come back, a very interesting story in college football. I mentioned this one yesterday. The redshirt decision by a record-breaking Houston starting quarterback, not a guy who's benched, Derek King, deciding to redshirt after four games and talked about it yesterday, says, no. He is not planning to transfer, so what is he planning to do? We'll tell you when we come back after a short break right here on Home and Home. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t -Mobile .com. 